Welcome to Machine Learning. I want to talk about central banks and how they um, buy and sell bonds. Okay, right now what is happening is there seems to be some bond write-offs, which means that counterintuitive to what you may think, it's saying the central banks are saying that the government has all the money it needs. It doesn't need to buy any more bonds to increase the money supply. Just the inverse is happening. That the government has all the money it needs and that the money supply needs to start to contract and interest rates need to rise. And that may be due to the fact that um, bonds are being written off and there's a uh, what, what what causes a bond to be written off that is if there is the uh, probability of default and so there is has begun some bond sell-off and the way we know that there's bond sell-off is the Fed indicates that it will be raising interest rates and how does it raise interest rate rates it begins to sell off bonds Okay, so enough on the apocalyptic uh, view of central banks, but it that's how central banks work. They increase money supply by buying bonds and therefore providing the government money and lowering interest rates. And so for investors, they like that because as the bond interest rates drop, then there's bubbles that form in the stock market and in the real estate market. So we've seen some extraordinary uh, climbs in the valuations of the real estate prices. And I remember right in 2009 how I read this book that claimed, buy real estate, it's the best thing that you can do. Uh, it has been climbing steadily for 70 years and you can't lose money in the real estate market and just about that time you had subprime meltdown and, uh, and uh, predictions were that the housing market should have corrected up to 70 percent and meaning that you could have lost 70 percent of value on your home and there were all kinds of um, scenarios where people were upside down in the valuation of their home to what they owed and they were very upset and didn't want to continue making payments on a mortgage that was not worth what they had paid for. And and there were also homes that had uh, been purchased on bubble credit and that's one of the worst ways ever variable rate loans are one of the worst loans ever um, to have been created and to be utilized by the consumer I remember one time I uh, bought a mortgage on it thinking that it was a pretty clever move getting the really extremely low interest rates to begin with 
and then over time letting those interest rates climb. I don't know what possessed my mind to believe that that would work. Um, and as the interest rates begin to rise, the idea would be, have been that you would make more money, you'd be making more money, but the truth is wages did not increase that fast. And it was more home than I could afford. And I was the next loan that I got, which is really bad to be jumping around inside of a, a mortgages uh, from one mortgage to another, incurring more and more debt. Um, it just accumulates the pain. Pay off your mortgage. Own your home. It's just like uh, I I've argued: don't own credit cards. Pay off your debt and then accumulate assets and buy with cash. That's the only way to really get ahead in life is through savings. As much as you want to invest in stocks, those are they're speculative. It's an investment that may or may not uh, profit you. It takes a lot of analytics, a lot of machine learning, a lot of probability to even find a stock or a series of stocks if you're gonna build a portfolio and uh, manage your risk and to diversify. You, you have to know quite a bit in machine learning risk management even to build the portfolio. And then once you build the portfolio, you have to go through several, several months, if not years, of iterations to find the stock that you can put in the portfolio that uh, will balance correctly according to risk. And if you try to if you try to uh, randomly do it, you you get uh, you may get some risk, but you might have some reward. And the thing is, is your return on your investment, your risk to your return on investment, you have to constantly balance that out to figure out if you're pulling ahead and it could take you a decade to know whether or not you're winning in your your portfolio and so these are um, these are things that you know it takes large organizations lots of skilled labor and even then it's just a, it, it may be just a game to acquire more investors and rebalance each year and then put up your earnings for one year, five years, etc., and build the um, perception of growth. But it, what you, just as I mentioned with central banks, that if they are, if there is a bond write down that is occurring, then there would be a sell-off of bonds, and that would be indicating that there isn't this appetite for buying bonds anymore to um, to earn on asset appreciation, and now it's there's profit taking on the bond market, and so money then will begin to be tighter as interest rates increase. And so those tighter interest rates then uh, will 
put more pressure on government to increase money supply again so that the cheap money is available. And these are these are uh, pressures where I I believe that that's why the the money supply shouldn't be variable. And we'll look at currencies, you know, as a valuation of what they're backed by. It's just like in the Book of Mormon, they they had their currency backed by commodity, something real, and we may see gold-backed uh, securities become more popular. And in some of my books, I've wrote about that there was a move towards a gold-backed currency, and so the valuation of gold would just escalate beyond belief. It could jump multiples. So it would be interesting to see if they moved away from some rare earth mineral like gold or silver and they just moved to something like a cryptocurrency, but I dislike cryptocurrencies because they they destroy sovereignty, and I I just don't think that they're they're a healthy they're like a derivative. They're not a healthy commodity, if you want to call it a commodity. So you know, looking at uh, the world of uh, Okay, so in the in the Book of Mormon they had a currency and they had weights and measures and they measured it against uh, uh, food products because they were trading in food products and then they would measure that also in units uh, that were related. So maybe they could relate to some precious metal at some point, but they didn't seem to be trading in terms of their units in precious metals. They were trading in terms of food commodity. And so, you know, would we look at things like our natural resources as the base of our trades? Well, that's exactly what bartering is, is that you're trading um, one commodity or service for another. And so you're trying to measure out what the value of that commodity or that service is. <clears throat> and we've done that with currencies also. We're, we, we trade um, dollars for yen. We, we've seen, and I've talked about how the yen uh, has gone on this massive attempt to inflate and central banks at times, the Bank of Japan times, will do some strange acts like try to devaluate or um, increase the value of the yen by buying up yen and making it uh, stronger against the dollar. 
and those are things that central banks do for possibly political reasons and possibly for economic reasons. Now, there's been this huge influx of money in the U.S. stock market. When you look at the stock market today at over 34000 and you ponder the fact that it has reached such stellar heights and realize how much money is flowing in from foreign countries, it looks like that the U.S. is, an, is the safe haven for investment. It's perceived as the country with the rapid growth. The question is, why didn't they go to Germany? Well, maybe Europe is in this state of war and turmoil and high cost, the cost of war that's being created by the conflict between Poland or between Russia and Ukraine. But I think that the surprising act will be that Poland will not receive a joint military reaction as Russia approaches the borders and pushes into Poland. That it's not going to be World War III as we think. It will not be a NATO standoff against Russia. And the primary reason is, is Germany has not made the commitment to fight Russia and stop them at the Poland border. Even though they initially made strong statements and supported the sanctions against Poland, they have not made the military commitments to stop Russia and Poland. And that is the big uh, actor in that region. And so Europe's economy is very fragile at this point. So where I think many of the foreign investors are saying, let's put our money into the U.S. stock market. Maybe they saw the signs. We don't know what type of information that was going on in Europe prior to Russia's uh, invasion of Ukraine. But this we know that the politicians have been working and trying to work diplomatic relationships using international law and sanctions. And has it been painful to Russia? Yes. Had, will the Russian economy collapse? It's already collapsed. So, how do they continue to fight? Why do they continue to fight, depleting more and more resources of the Russian government? I don't know. But it will create a pile of debt. And 
was the Ukraine wealthy enough to deplete the, their resources to pay for the war? Probably not. And will Poland be able to stop the Russian march across into Lithuania? Well, I don't know. Um, going over to talk about the Higgs field. Now, the, the Higgs field, to me, is an interesting theory that was created to explain matter. They have to explain matter. Science has to explain matter. And so it created the Higgs field. Actually, the Higgs um, field created the return of string theory. I didn't realize that that uh, that they were back on string theory or these these vibration the theory of vibration on the field by a particle called the Higgs boson. So Higgs boson is actually a string theory. So you're using these really advanced, complex, multi dimensional math math uh algorithms to explain the creation of matter. And I, I li listened to Kafka, in which I, I almost think he's like a magician or something. I, I really don't like him in terms of the way he talks, especially when he uses science to say that the annihilation of God has occurred. It's really bizarre. Why would he draw those, go cross line from just science and then explaining the phenomena to try to uh, become political? Ridiculous. And so it's hard for me to listen to him. But he, he again, tried to talk about supersymmetry and the original Big Bang. I don't believe there was a Big Bang. I think it's a myth. A fantastic myth that's been around for a long time. The idea of a superheated symmetry of extreme, extraordinary pressures, but zero mass. So, in the case given to a photon, acting like a particle with no mass. And that's what they describe, actually, in the Higgs field. They account for photons. They account for moving through space uh, that, that there is this idea that electron <coughs> can be influenced and... that it can gain mass. And so they do that 
they have done that through quantum mechanics. Interesting that they can make an electron gain mass. So in mechanics of force, I was reading about it, there isn't a particle called electron, but there are Orlegrino twisters. And the theory behind that is that there must be some amplification of kinetic energy or some form of energy that is being added to the electron causing it to increase in mass. Because as we stated, E equals FC squared, that the only way that that mass increases is through kinetic energy. And so they add, must be adding more kinetic energy to that electron in those uh, high-speed accelerators creating an increase in mass. So in the case where it was going through the accelerator, they increased the mass of the electron 7,000 times. Well, there's some even stranger phenomena of the muon arriving, or let's see, uh, tachyon arriving faster than the speed of light. Explain how that occurred. How did the tachyon move faster than the speed of light if the speed of light is the fastest known constant in the universe? There's nothing in the physical universe in three-dimensional space, X, Y, Z, can move faster than the speed of light. So that's the strangeness of quantum is is that uh, you know that it works that the quantum that the uh, mechanical nature of it works, but the strangeness is that it seems to defy logic <laughs> unless you think and accept that there must be manifolds in space allowing the tachyon then to arrive faster than the speed of light. Well, in going back even talking about the effects of, uh, of the Higgs field, is that you have the Higgs field, and the Higgs field then has particles and the vibrations between the Bonson particle and the Higgs field is creating matter. Well, I'm going to talk today or tomorrow, sometime today, I'm going to do another podcast and talk about the mechanics of force, which explains how there are energy fields, an energy that's moving through quark lattices and the quark lattices are creating mass. And so it, uh, that mechanical explanation with quarks is, is somewhat interesting. And it it somewhat explains that 
it doesn't use a Higgs field to explain everything, but it explains it from a mechanical nature, from a mechanical aspect. So we can understand how these lattice structures of quarks are producing things like stars. And um, and that's kind of a different view than we have seen in the past. And um, I remember reading this book and really thinking about it. And so far, <clears throat> I liked it because it had a mechanical explanation of matter rather than this mathematical explanation that comes through string theory. And so you hear with string theory things like experiments to detect the 11th dimension or the discovery of a new particle generated by trillions of watts of energy colliding through these high-powered uh, colliders. And no, there was no black hole that formed. And the mass that it generated was not significant enough to cause any gravitational pull of significance or collapse. So again, we're into this supernatural fears. You know, you know, we think uh, we think science is um, almost supernatural. And in reality, it's very mechanical, and it has to be very mechanical, or we couldn't do the experiments, and we couldn't recreate the experiments to verify. And so what they're saying is that statistically, the, that they've, re, they've done these experiments enough to say that they have discovered a new particle. And so you have you have the baryons that are explaining strong forces between the atoms and weak forces. You know, and it's interesting as you as you try to pull the atom apart, there's a strong force and it's it's the force is related to a distance. And so what creates that strong force? Um, and then you have you have also the properties of the atom itself, the neutron, the proton, and the combination of two up quarks and one down quark to create a positive charge, creating the proton. And then how do you get the neutron, where the charges are the same in the quark level? And then what is the forces that bind the proton and the neutron together? And once you understand the building blocks, then you can understand the chemistry.